Ridley for Nashville SC, and now less than two weeks away from the start of the 2023 season. Welcome into Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines, and one of them will still be covering the club in that discipline in 2023. I'm Wes Bowling. And I am Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Thank you for joining us. Sorry that the audio is going to be a little bit off on my end today. I'm recording bright and early from a hotel room in Denver. Got a beautiful view from the 10th floor of the uh, Residence Inn. Uh, I know that's the dream, right? 10th floor of the Denver Residence Inn, Tim. I know you're really, really jealous this morning. Oh, yeah, man. The, the, uh, I've heard good things about the Denver Residence Inn. So. Well, I can't wait to discover them myself. The, the, <laughs> the Denver before I fly off to Canada for another company event coming up this week i was playing in the snow this week uh but i am also told that nashville sc uh, participated in a one nil loss to new england revolution uh, we'll get into just a little bit of preseason soccer dynamics we'll answer your mailbag questions and um, i'll touch on uh, just a, a little bit of personal news at the end that i mentioned earlier but i do want to uh, first by the way flag tim some some great broadcasting news before we get too far into this our good friend Tony Husband announced as an Apple TV broadcaster as well. We talked to Jamie Watson, of course, in the last episode, and great to hear another friend, obviously a fixture in Nashville over the last three years, get an opportunity to now be uh, at the national level. Yeah, and it's something that um, I think we were expecting, and Tony is is not only a very good broadcaster, he's the consummate pro, a dude who absolutely cares deeply about this league. Uh, just kind of a, a side anecdote yesterday, Jack Collison, the the new head coach of Huntsville City S- FC, I mean, that is going to take some adjusting. Um, had his had his first press conference. Um, the the team played a friendly against Birmingham Legion, and Tony was there on the Zoom on the Zoom for the press conference, just listening. But that that kind of tells you the dedication the guy has to to making sure he knows everything that's going on, and, the, and thus the dedication to the craft. And that's uh, for anybody who knows Tony is is the least surprising thing you might you might possibly hear about him. Dedication to the craft is a, is a great way to describe uh, Tony. And while, um, you know, I think it is fair to be jaded or cynical about the motivations of some broadcasters, and I'm, I'm not casting shade on anybody in particular here, but just in general, it's a very, you know, cutthroat industry. And Tony and JV both, just the most genuine, the most genuine people. In fact, I can say everybody that, that I've worked with at Nashville SC from like the on-air broadcast side, just extraordinarily, you know, kind and ambitious, but in a very uh, pure way. And so glad to see him get that opportunity. You mentioned Huntsville, by the way, scoreless draw against Birmingham Legion for Huntsville and its preseason debut. A bunch of signings that were announced earlier in the week as well. Guys filling out that roster, a lot of optimism and even a supporters group down there in Huntsville as well. And you speak about dedication to the craft. You were around that press conference too. Yeah. And it, I, my most uh, the the part of the the game that I was most curious about was not what was your your scoreless draw with Birmingham Legion like, but how does um, Collison, uh, a former West Ham player, it must be noted, come on you Irons, um, how does how does he see his role? How does he see his role fitting into the broader picture of Nash- the Nashville Soccer Club ecosystem, but also um the desire to go out and win games and obviously the, a preseason friendly is not his number one priority in terms of winning games but he was very clear that hey listen we have guys who are down from Nashville SC proper um Ahmed Longmire was in the starting lineup for that game and there were a couple other guys um Joey Skinner played in that game um but also there were guys from the academy who played he mentioned um Alejandro Carrillo who um I've seen play with with the MLS next all-star 
uh, team back in August. But, um, you know, he's he's very cognizant of what his role is in terms of of how to prepare players to play at Nashville SC. And yes, you want to win games in the process because otherwise you are not going to have a ton of fun. But um, it is it is part of a, a broader ecosystem for Nashville SC. And that was, that was kind of the answer I wanted to hear. And it doesn't surprise me. He coached the West Ham U16s before going over to uh, coach Atlanta United 2 uh, within the past couple of years. So this is a guy who has a real understanding for where a, a team that is not the senior team of its organization fits in. And that is, if you're counting two West Ham references in the first five minutes of the show, both within a minute of each other, following a nice one-one draw against Chelsea. So, <laughs> your point stands, though, and I'm really intrigued to see how that cohesion works, especially with Liam Doyle heading up soccer operations. If you're not familiar with Liam, you weren't around for USL. He was a fixture at center back for Gary Smith in those two years in the second tier. Uh, so, uh, you're going to see how that uh, that transpires. Uh, it's, hey, it's, Want to know something weird? Do you remember the Liam Doyle with hair days? Yes. Before he before he just decided he was going to bick the whole top. Yeah. Weird times. Weird times. I think <laughs> that I may have on air once or twice called him a Q-tip, <laughs> which is not very kind. But he never took himself terribly seriously, so I never felt too bad about it, even though that was on, <laughs> on radio. <laughs> um, uh, great, great guy. Um, we we mentioned again a, a minute ago about these broadcasters' dedication to the craft, but. Tim, we also have dedication to the craft beer. Absolutely. And and Wes, if we were looking to get some craft beer, either in the Melrose neighborhood of Nashville or various locations around Metro Nashville, where do you think we might be able to do such a thing? Well, Tim, the answer was in the question. And that is <laughs> ML Rose. Funny story about that, by the way. Uh, ML Rose, you might wonder what the origin of the name of, of the restaurant. Do you Do you wonder the origin of the name of the restaurant, Tim? I assume it's just the Melrose neighborhood, but they yeah. didn't want to just call it that. <laughs> they did just call it that to start. It was called Melrose. When okay, it I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, on 8th Avenue. When I first went to Trivia Nights back around 2011, uh, it was called Melrose. It was great. Uh, but then they wanted to open that second location. Their second location, of course, in Tim, the best and most important neighborhood in Nashville, as you would say, uh, West Nashville. So when they were expanding now their their footprint, they were no longer just in Melrose. And so they went with ML Rose, a creative renaming without changing the fundamental nature of the name of the restaurant. Did they did they still have the owl uh, mascot back then? The owl has, has been ever present as far as okay, I, good. I So I don't know if they just maybe they renamed him from Melrose to ML Rose at that point. <laughs> his name or is he just the mascot? I don't know. We'll have to ask him. We'll have to do some journalism and get to the bottom. <laughs> well, and we can ask him, by the way, at the opening game. Uh, I'm going to go there and I'm still determining whether I'm going to go pregame or postgame now that I have that liberty uh, since I will not be on the radio call. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Probably pre. Uh, maybe post as well. Uh, I'll still be childless and wifeless as they'll still be up in Canada following a visit. I'll be paying them this week. So uh, we'll keep you posted on, on Twitter there and on next week's show as well to let you know where uh, where I'll be if you want to join uh, for a drink. Because I know many of you will not even, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, be your plans will not be contingent on mine. You'll go either way. <laughs> so I'll just say I'll see many of you there regardless of when I am there. Let's get it now to the early shower. So Tim, a 1-0 loss to New England Revolution, uh, but without a couple of key players, Hani Mukhtar held out as a precaution, Rendell working his way back, uh, but still um, not not present in that friendly as well. Do we take do we take anything from this, or what do you take from this, uh, maybe from the game, from the post-match press conference, anything that you want to touch on there? Yeah, it does seem like Gary Smith is not particularly concerned about the scoring. 
Um, nobody, nobody clip that and use it as an, as an audio drop. <laughs> but but at, the, at this stage of preseason, it's really not something that he seems worried about. And that's, that's reasonable to me. Um, I know there's a lot of consternation um, on the, on the uh, Nashville internet about the team not being able to score. But like we mentioned the past couple episodes, the reality is that, that preseason friendlies have essentially no bearing on what the regular season is going to look like. Yes, you would like the team to be playing with some sharpness, but like you mentioned, uh, if if the team doesn't have a guy that that was the league MVP last year from an attacking position and doesn't score a goal, um, I, I think they'll be a little bit better offensively when he's back in the lineup. Um, obviously, these teams are are going in, and and for Nashville, they <clears throat> basically started every available every available first choice player, but those guys are, are playing like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. It really isn't reflective upon what the team is going to look like when it, when it comes down to it, they're testing depth. They're getting guys ready to go play more, um, you know, more minutes over the course of preseason ramping up to that game. That is just a couple of weeks away now, incredibly. So I just am not concerned about what it means in terms of the scoring output. Um, and defensively, same thing. Like, yes, you would like to see them get a, a clean sheet, you know, 6-0 win every time or whatever, but it really just doesn't mean that much when you look to what the season is going to be. I think that's perfectly fair. I think our role in the show has often been to kind of counter a narrative of, of um, excessive alarm. Uh, not, yeah. that, not that folks are seeing this and, you know, being ridiculous for, for being alarmed when the Hani scored such a high percentage of the team's goals last year. And certainly, you know, fans and, and I think the club wants to see more diversity of scoring. Uh, but uh, certainly, you know, I think you know, it would be reassuring to see, you know, a two or three goal game against MLS competition, the only goal scored so far uh, by the team in preseason, if I'm, if I'm being accurate here, mm-hmm. or against the U.S. U-20 yeah. national team. Um, one other opportunity to score some goals, um, not possible due to venue availability issues. Nashville's uh, friendly against Orlando City canceled. Uh, that was uh, five days ago uh, as we record this. But again, I think, Tim, the focus right now, as you've mentioned, is is, is not necessarily on, you know, how this team's going to score mm-hmm. or, or how many goals or how many wins they get in preseason. It's how they're going to play. And how they played against New England Revolution in that friendly was in a 4-4-2 formation. I'm just going to roll through the lineup real fast. Uh, really compelling uh, radio here, as they would say. <laughs> Lewis in goal, Lovitz and more. The uh, fullbacks, Mayer and Zimmerman, uh, back, the other men on the back line, the center backs. Uh, Davis Godoy, the central mids. Pico Schaffelberg on the wing. Bunbury Sapong uh, up top. 4-4-2 formation. Obviously, Hani's going to replace either Bunbury or Sapong when he's back in. Uh, but do you think otherwise this probably resembles what could be Nashville SC's opening day 11? Yeah, I, th- I think um, I was surprised because I asked Gary Smith, I said, hey, no, honey, you know, other than that, is this basically what you're expecting as a first choice? And he was like adamant. Randall is is a starter for this team. So that's another thing to keep in mind. And um, obviously, we've been kind of defenders of Randall Leal's goal output last year, but I would still expect Pico and Schaffelberg to be uh, at least competing with him for for those starting wing spots. So there's a little bit of a surprise there with how adamant Gary was about it. But Randall's also been a guy who has been a, a, just a, a crucial piece for this club over its over its entirety of MLS play so far. And that's something that they're not ready to give up on, even if they do have newfound depth and, and kind of a different style of player. I think Schaffelberg and, and Pico are both speed merchants more than long shot merchants in a way that um, differentiates them from Leal. But um, clearly that's something that, that Smith still likes is, is something that he wants in his starting lineup. 
And we've mentioned, you know, the possibility if whoever's on that that left side, presumably, you know, Schaffelberg's in, uh, Picot with some versatility, I suppose, uh, you know, creating that space on the wing, you know, chalk on the boots and letting Leal then have the freedom to kind of drift inward, shade the play, mm-hmm. maybe contribute to some overloads, certainly effective in some counterattacks. The wing depth is, I think, the asset for this team, Tim, though. And the yeah. first two players in for, mm-hmm. for Schaffelberg and Pico, Luke Hawkins and Alex Wheel, just so much experience here and, and dynamicism, but also some different styles along both flanks. Yeah, and, and you have the opportunity to play a defense-first guy. You have an opportunity to play a guy like Leal, who's kind of a long shot slash kind of a crafty passer, and then you have those speed merchants. I actually think if Leal had been available, it's more likely he would have replaced either Bunbury or Sapong and kind of did the facsimile of the of the Hani thing <clears throat> sure. rather than playing as a winger and replacing one of those wingers. So it is something that uh, we've mentioned in the past, but it, it does provide a bit more versatility when you do have the depth that Nashville has at at a couple other positions, it allows you to uh, uh, shoestring some of those guys into into Hani's position where you don't have a ton of depth. So it's something to keep an eye on as the preseason rolls forward with a couple more games before the regular season begins. You can shoestring guys in ahead of the wing with chalk on the boots. So the shoestrings are above the chalk that is on the bottom of the boots. Yeah. Yes, you can do that. Right, but you would like probably kick some up and get on them. I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't know. I don't know either. This is getting. This is getting. Uh, this, this <laughs> getting trouble. There's trouble afoot. Uh, anything else from from Gary Smith's press conference uh, following New England that stands out to you? No, just a matter of um, what we since learned at, at Collison's press conference and for the Huntsville City um, match, the lineups that they published. A lot of the guys that we kind of expected to be sent down to Huntsville have have made that move. Sean Suber was the last one to do it. He um, participated in the <clears throat> excuse me most recent Nashville friendly, but is now with Huntsville. And um, for the most part, those guys have have made that move. And um, the guys who are are going to you know be on the Huntsville roster signed to the MLS Next Pro team are are kind of getting those guys integrated. And um, yes, there's a chance that you'll see Ahmed Longmire come up. Um, since he's on a Nashville SC contract, he can basically come back up at any time. Um, but if he were if he were on a season long loan um, to Huntsville, uh, you know the the rules are are not worth getting into <laughs> in depth in depth here. But but as long as he is on a Nashville contract and with Nashville SC, not providing any roster relief against the roster budget, he can come back at any time. And I think that's something that probably halfway through the season, like we've seen with Jack Mayer in the past, for example, you might see some of those guys come back. Um, when they have the opportunity to to contribute to the Nashville SC team. And I was about to hit on, on the Longmire point as well, because I think, you know, some supporters might be inclined to say, wow, he just must not really be cutting at Nashville and already been sent down to, you know, that, that next tier down. And man, is he, you know, going to be a guy who's viable at this level. And I think the Jack Mayer reminder is mm-hmm. a really good one. This is something the club really likes to do. And they would, they would rather take a player who probably could contribute at MLS and, and but probably wouldn't get more than a couple matches and yeah. get a vast experience reading the game at the professional level, then training with top class guys, but then not seeing the field. That's always a dilemma. And I think a lot of that relies too on the players feel. I remember a story you know, a couple of years ago, Robert Castellanos had opportunities to go on loan and he ended up ultimately going on loan last season. But a couple of years ago, he said, you know, I'd rather not, I'd rather stay and learn from these guys that's the player's prerogative, I suppose. Gary Smith is a great man manager. Mike Jacobs wants to listen to what a player thinks is best for his development. But when you see a guy go down, I think that should be a pleasing thing 
for Nashville SC supporters to see a guy like Longmire, knowing he's going to be probably a, you know in the in the nine in, in the eleven, mm-hmm. probably a full ninety guy for yeah. thirty plus games as long as he's in Huntsville. And Nashville has the has the opportunity to kind of um, have a say in how much playing time he gets there in a way that they wouldn't at, say Memphis nine hundred one or or Louisville City somewhere else that is still driving distance on um, that he can train with Nashville and, and get there for games, but um, wouldn't Nashville wouldn't have the technical direction that they will with Huntsville City either. Zooming out just a little bit, I want to ask you a couple more questions, then we'll get into the mailbag. Um, what in preseason um, should lead to the most optimism for Nashville SC fans? And then my follow-up will be, what is the most concerning thing, either from a personnel or play standpoint? Yeah, I think optimistically, it, it sounds like Nashville has has very early on kind of honed down who are going to be the guys who actually get playing time. And that uh, is, is manifested in the fact that you see Longmire going down to play with Huntsville, that you see um, some of these recent draft picks going down to play with Huntsville. Nashville knows who they're going to be able to rely on, and therefore they're able to get those guys reps. They're able to see what their realistic substitution patterns are going to be more like. And that provides some optimism, especially for a team that does carry over a lot of its key players from last year's roster. Pessimistically, it is. I mean, I know we just said not to sweat it, but it is the fact that the results haven't been good. And yes, that doesn't. the results don't matter in preseason, and I've, I've said that. And the depth um, playing is something that, that kind of you know divorces it from what the team is going to perform like when you don't have you know wholesale changes at the at the halftime mark. But at the same time, it doesn't mean your depth isn't as good as hopefully um, you were you were wanting to see. The other teams are playing their depth too. It's not like your your second stringers are losing games to New England second stringers or to first stringers. They are losing them to the second stringers when everybody makes wholesale changes. So it is something that you would like to see that depth kind of step up and perform a little bit more. Um, obviously, since we're not seeing the games, uh, you know, th- those are not being broadcasted. We don't really know how, um, which is far more important than what. Um, if if Nashville's, you know, peppering the goal and and you're not being able to beat uh, Petrovic, who cares? <laughs> like it doesn't matter as as long as you're creating. That's that's good enough. So, um, you know, we don't we don't know that for sure. So I wouldn't get too down on it, but it is something that um I would keep in mind that. Uh, you know, we, we know who the depth is going to be. We don't quite know if they're going to perform at a level that will allow Nashville to weather any sort of injury issues or whether any sort of, um, you know, fatigue issues with, with a team that is not one of the youngest in the league. Yeah, I think it's perfectly fine to be annoyed at the lack of goals. You mm-hmm. know, oh, damn it, it'd be great if they were scoring, you know, two and a half per match in preseason. I do think that, you know, an off match or two in preseason can be expected and you can't really judge anything from that. I, I can see supporters are looking at the broad trend and saying, look, no goals against MLS competitions, no goals against Louisville city. Um, that's really annoying. <laughs> you, that is <laughs> yeah. point I don't, sure. you, I don't like it. Right. Yes. Cause there is of course that, you know, that confirmation bias too of saying, this is a team that didn't it, good, good attack last year, but apart from honey Mukhtar, not as productive when he's out, is there something this team can, and figure out and when he's in they've not been you know terribly incisive on the scoreboard but i will echo your caution there which is again we don't know how that transpired it is awfully hard to judge results on their own in this game in fact we made a podcast out of not just judging results on their <laughs> own and talking about the how and the why and not just the what so we'll encourage you to to um i guess reserve full judgment until we've seen some actual matches uh, seen some matches and actual matches, both of those components of that sentence. Tim, anything else you want to talk about before we get into the mailbag today? No, let's hop into it. 
Let's do it. Uh, but actually, let's not yet because we're going to talk about ML Rose first. I have not actually Classic. chatted about our uh, <laughs> our get together uh, that we had at ML Rose uh, now a couple weeks ago. Uh, we had Jamie on later that week for a special episode, and then we took a little time as I was traveling for work. Uh, it was great, Tim. We had 10, 15 people there. Um, it, it was you know a hearty crowd as we knew there was an ice storm coming later on that night. And even still, people came out. Our good friend Mike Meredith came out all the way from Murfreesboro, brought his lovely family. Uh, great to see so many others there and, and have some some really good conversation. And really not a whole lot of it was about soccer, which was even better to me. It wasn't just this one-note group that could only talk about the central midfield position and, and what Gary Smith was going to do there. It was about life. You'll be pleased to know, Tim, as an unofficial college football podcast, there's also a lot <laughs> of college football conversation as there was some Tennessee-Alabama discussion going on. Uh, yeah, I love to hear about uh, – is it the volunteers, are they called? Is that what it is? You know uh, I'm going to get us canceled from this podcast by making jokes oh, like that. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's something that we've talked about all the time. Every time we talk about ML Rose, we talk about how it's not just um, – uh, lip service to to community, lip service to soccer, lip service to apparently Tennessee Alabama talk. But th- this is a place where where it, it's legit. They 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 live it like we do, and and there are people who care about these things, and there are people who want to foster a sense of community. And um, you know, we we uh, I guess we did them a little solid by getting by getting a group out. But there would have been people there having fun and having drinks and um, you know, having a bite to eat there. And that's something that, um, you know, had you had you never shown up, it's something that ML Rose can still provide to somebody when you head out there and you're going to find community, you're going to find people that you can have conversation with, you're going to find a, a wide array of taps, including several local options, um, you're, you're going to find all that stuff at ML Rose. It's wonderful. And it's it spoiled me so badly. Uh, I was at a this was a, this is a random store. So I was I was um, testing tires at a ski resort all week with tire dealers you know as one does like you do like you do we, we had a parking lot we ba- just iced over basically snowed on top of that we built a snow course in the back got a bunch of trucks stuck not because of the tires by the way but because the uh, the snow was really deep um but in, in the process of that we, we met up pretty much each night for a nightcap like an 8 p.m nightcap these were busy days and uh, there's a there's a whiskey bar uh, on on site at the resort and i walked in one night and I looked around and Tim, for the first time, I think in my life, I was the oldest person at the bar. <laughs> I looked around, uh, and was off, and I realized I'm the one who's off. That it's me. I'm the problem. I'm old. We've 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 been noticing this. We just didn't want to say it. It's not <laughs> just there. <laughs> Jeez, harsh. Tim, coming with the fire, waking me up better than coffee here on this on this early Denver morning. But the problem was, you know, what I wanted out of that nightcap was not to, you know, get hammered or go crazy or at altitude. I just wanted a drink to close the night in a good conversation with our guests. And we couldn't have one. It was too loud. It was karaoke night. Um, Goodbye Earl was the first karaoke choice, by the way, from a couple of tone deaf. Like, I don't think they're old enough to be in a bar girls. Um, it, it was a bummer. And when I go to ML Rose, we you get atmosphere, right? You You get people talking you get a buzz what you don't get is incredibly loud blaring music where you can't have a conversation it's the perfect blend of energy but also the ability to connect with the people around you and that's what we had the other night uh, with this group of people and that's what you can get pre-game and post-game for Nashville SC games yeah absolutely and that's something that we, we are proud to uh, hopefully contribute to but but certainly participate in when it comes to uh, being able to have that sort of community at ML Rose both the 8th South location as well as the one 
uh, in West Nashville where you had your little happy hour. That's right. And uh, even had a couple of comments this week on Twitter uh, talking about how we've introduced folks to that restaurant. There's one listener um, located in the Murfreesboro area. MLRO's coming out that way soon with a new location. They said they can't wait to have an MLRO's right down the street in the borough as well. It's really cool to see that enthusiasm build. Um, and, you know, even if we can be the brief, you know, verbal prodding that reminds people this mm-hmm. place exists or lets people know it exists, then we we step back and we can't take any credit after that because, Emil Rose does the rest of the work, and it was great to to see so many of you out uh, hanging out right before an ice storm the other night. Props also to Mike Meredith and his lovely wife uh, for driving me home as I Ubered just to be safe and responsible. Then promptly had like two beers over three hours. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, very much appreciate that. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, family. Let's get into the mailbag now, and we'll start at a high level. And, uh, you know, this is probably going to be a bigger focus of a longer preseason episode at some point, but Wesley Bryant's going to get us started at least with a little bit of thinking about where Nashville should end up this year. He says, is it too early for season predictions? No, it's not Wesley. I think that's, that's fair. Even if we don't give our full ones today, where do you see us ending up at the end of the year season playoffs, open cup leagues cup. So I think, you know, maybe we'll go a little deeper into where Nashville will finish uh, in, in again, mm-hmm. the upcoming episode, but what's a reasonable ambition? What, where, what's the, the general realm of, of possibility that, that fans should expect based on what we know of this team, based on what they've done in past years and what they've done in preseason? Yeah, I think I think hosting a home playoff game, which they probably should have done last year, was kind of a, a late choke in that Houston Dynamo game in the home finale that that prevented that. But hosting a home playoff game is is absolutely a necessity to me, I think. Um, last year, the West was a little tougher. Um, it kind of oscillates year to year. They're always pretty close. So moving to what could be a slightly easier conference, I think getting where Nashville was two years ago, where they on decision day, they had a chance to take second place in the conference was something that is, it's, it's a, maybe a a bit of a stretch goal for any team to say, we want to finish that high, but it's one that Nashville should be aspiring to because of what they've done in the past. In terms of the U S open cup, I, I mean, they were good enough to be the U.S. Open Cup champion last year. They had a really bad game against Orlando City, who was the eventual champion. Um, and that's something that when you get to that point, yes, knockout soccer is there's there's a lot of randomness involved in a single game of soccer. Um, knockout soccer, you can't survive that, that sort of randomness. And then um, Big's Cup is something that we talked about kind of what Nashville should do in terms of of how they approach it. Um, like I've said, um, you know, winning winning against a Liga MX team is is absolutely crucial for this squad. I think getting out of the group is is probably good. I don't think you really want to advance in the in the knockout bracket of League's Cup just because um the the upside there is is you're probably going to be playing against a lot of MLS teams rather than more Liga MX teams. And if that doesn't end up being the case, um, based on the way the bracket shakes out, I, I reserve the right to change my mind, but. You want the rest that you're going to get from those those knockout weeks rather than rather than saying, okay, now we need to go play something that's essentially a friendly tournament and then have to jump back into league play and, and be exhausted with, like I've already mentioned a couple times in the show, not the youngest team in the league. I will um, give my predictions in this space in a later episode, but... I want to ask another question here. The ultimate prize of U.S. Open Cup, besides winning, you know, the oldest soccer competition in the United States and getting a trophy and, you know, the, the fun that comes with that. You're talking about a tournament that's that's every professional and a whole bunch of semi-pro and even amateur teams throughout the United States. It's a fun tournament. But the biggest prize is the opportunity to get a spot in CONCACAF Champions League. Do you think 
if this club were to win the U.S. Open Cup or much more far-fetched, but win League's Cup and get that CCL spot, do you think it's ready for that? Do you think that by next year this club could, could sustain the opening grind of a season that would include CCL in February and potentially March as well as the season? I guess I'm asking maybe even mm-hmm. what would it take to be able to sustain that this time next year when you've even seen a team like Seattle Sounders last yeah. year struggle to do that. That, that, that. That's what I was going to say is, is nobody's done it. So no, I don't think that shows that team quite honestly, <laughs> but um, I, I think the way the league <clears throat> is now valuing some of these things where you get a, a slightly bigger uh, allocation money bump for making that. And so that you can have a little bit more depth on your roster would help. But I think realistically you want to get into CCL and you are willing to not quite sacrifice the subsequent year, but you're willing to say CCL is our focus at the beginning of the year. Maybe it harms our early season results, as we've seen in the past with clubs. Maybe it harms our our players like we saw with Seattle last year. But um, it's it's the juice is worth the squeeze there to me to play meaningful yeah. continental competition. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think it's the next step up for the club, not not because mm-hmm. they're going to try to be pushing to be part of Club World Cup or anything like that just yet, but just to have that next opportunity, even from a marketing standpoint, to have more games against foreign teams at Chiotis Park, I think would be, be a, a rewarding thing. You also get the earlier preseason start, uh, typically, depending on the schedule next year, of course. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, a home playoff game is a reasonable goal for this team. On a future episode, we'll talk about what we think well, will happen and not just what maybe should should happen for this team. Um, John Malden, what other options does the club have to address the lack of goal scoring beyond waiting for a DP9, maybe, in the summer, he says. And how fast do you think the patience of the fans runs out if these struggles continue into the season? Uh, for the second question, Twitter's not real life. Uh, I think that, that <laughs> because there are home games, a lot of them on the front part of this schedule, I don't think the fan base is is going to just all of a mm-hmm. sudden stop going. I think that's a thing that if it's a struggle into, you know, June, July, August, you start seeing some attendance numbers, maybe having some issues. Um, I was talking to, to my brother yesterday after another horrific University of Tennessee basketball ending, and I said, I just stopped listening to what to, to what Tennessee fans say on Twitter. Yeah. I just stopped listening. Uh, by virtue of this role, I don't stop listening to what you say. We ask you what you <laughs> think every week on this show, uh, but I think patience of the fans is not something I'm particularly worried about, especially in the first first half of this year. Yeah. And I, I wrote a column about this on clubcountryusa.com last week, uh, I believe on Thursday. Uh, the, the scoring wasn't as big of an issue last year as, as fans kind of have, have whipped it into, especially um, in the online spaces. Uh, Hani's not going to have a repeat of last year in terms of goal scoring, or he is going to go down as one of the best MLS players in history. And I, um, all, all due respect to Hani, but that that is a lot to ask of a guy. But the, the Nashville was the ninth highest scoring team in the league last year. One of the least lucky on the offensive end in terms of goals compared to expected goals. I, I just don't think the average fan is is that concerned about it at this stage. And I, especially with, like you just mentioned, uh, a home heavy opening to the schedule. I think this team is going to play better <laughs> at home. Uh, they didn't play well at home last year. And that was the biggest issue in terms of goal scoring is that when they got home, they didn't suddenly turn on the goals like they have in the past couple of years. So not concerned about it. Unfortunately, I know that I know people are going to call us Pollyannas or whatever, but uh, uh, a real stat heavy look on, on the website last week. So take a look at that and you'll see uh, what I'm getting at here. Again, clubcountryusa.com for that. I do think there's reasonable concern over, 
you know, whether Teal Bunbury and CJ Sapong or, or CJ Sapong can score at a reasonable, you know, a, a strong clip this year after Bunbury actually really did when he was healthy. He was great goals mm-hmm. per 90. He just wasn't healthy. Uh, and he's a year older as is CJ Sapong who didn't score after um, like August. May 28th. May 28th. May, sorry, May. I gave him a couple months even. That's right. You could have you could have found this information at clubcountryusa.com. <laughs> um, I'm having trouble keeping up. What website do you run again? <laughs> it's clubcountryusa.com. Thank you for the reminder. Awesome, clubcountryusa.com. Uh, <laughs> in terms of other options, though, I think that's it, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's not going and making a trade at this point in the year. I don't think Mike Jacobs is going to say, "Look, I know we've had this whole preseason to build cohesion." Um, you know, let's bring in a striker now. I say that, and that's kind of the timing that Walker Zimmerman had. It was about now-ish in that first season, but that was also an expansion build, kind of a different a different story in year one, and obviously not a striker, a center back. Um, do you think there's a chance Nashville makes any other moves to try to bring some money in, or do you think Mike Jacobs is kind of saying what we're saying? Look, this team needs time to to coalesce. This is not a panic situation. Um, I'm guessing he's not going to make any moves now. Yeah. He wouldn't have already kind of had simmering for, for the majority of preseason. Right. We, I mean, we've seen Nashville make uh, late surprising moves, Walker Zimmerman being one of them in, in each of the previous seasons. I don't think if you add somebody at this stage, it is going to be like a game-changing attacking piece. And it, it really is that simple. <laughs> no. Yes, there could be somebody added, but I don't think it's going to be somebody that fans will say, okay, now we are going to score more goals or whatever. And tactically, we've said here that the options for more scoring mm-hmm. – are coming on the wings probably that's at least whether or not those guys are scoring or opening up chances that that has a layout a Schaffelberg, um you know etc of course a pico that was a big addition like i think th- those are the ones who are going to open up this attack and, and give those opportunities for those goals to start to start flowing in uh and then evan bolt reaching out if you could if you if we were going to make a move right now if, if we're nashville let if we're mike jacobs if you could take your pick of any MLS player to add to this roster, who would you choose and why? I guess I'll go with my my trope of uh, of Eric Williamson uh, that did not end up having the Sean Davis effect of us mentioning him enough that Mike Jacobs just went ahead and pulled the trigger. <laughs> yeah, Sean. Uh, but I think Eric, you know, again, a, a dynamic two-way midfield player with some attacking punch, with some defensive discipline, uh, who is able to be the heir apparent to an Anibal Godoy and a Dax McCarty. And while I think that would be appealing, again, we've talked about the quantity this club is in in central midfield and that a player of that cost and of that caliber probably isn't ready to come to a Nashville for a role that might mean he's only playing or starting 25 games um, or, or fewer than that. Because I don't think Godoy's washed up. I think McCarty has yeah. good soccer left in him. Still, I, I think that's that's the player I'll continue to harp on that at some point could be a really good fit on this team. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to actually steal Evan's second question because he said outside of Hani, who will be the most crucial for a successful season? And you just mentioned him. I think Anibal Godoy or Dax McCarty, um, one of those guys being healthy enough to play the full season is a big deal. Uh, in terms of who I would add, um, since Chicho Arango is no longer an MLS player, I'll say Casper Shabilko, um, you know, union fire guy. Um, that is not he's a member of the firefighters union. That is, he has played for the fire <laughs> and the union. Um a, a dude who's just a who's just a junk goal getter is was, would be super helpful to Nashville. Obviously, we think CJ Sapong will be able to pull that off this year. So, moving on to the final whistle, I just want to give a quick word of thanks. On Friday, I announced that I will not be in the radio booth for Nashville SC. First time uh, in in the club's history that's going to be the case, um, and that's a challenging transition. It's going to be really exciting though to get to take my son to some games, to meet up with some of the MLROs. Um, I won't get into the dynamics behind that decision here. There may be a future opportunity to to do that but i just want to give a word of thanks for everyone who listened over the past five years whether it was on 94.9 
102.5, iHeartRadio. We've been all over the place. Um, you know, it is it is sad to me that Nashville SC will have now its um, third radio voice in three seasons. Um, it was a, you know, this is a decision uh, that, that when it came down to it. And uh, I, I will give my full support to uh, the club on the field moving forward and to the radio product. Um, I hope you do as well. Listen, continue to support. And uh, more importantly, continue to listen to this podcast because we end up <laughs> Sorry to say, but thank you, thank you for everyone, uh, and thanks to Ropapa Mensa for providing a great <laughs> moment against North Carolina FC in 2018. Uh, thanks, thanks to so many other late winners in, in USL and MLS. Thanks to the supporters for being the soundtrack of our radio broadcasts. Uh, nothing but gratitude right now and excitement to get to see these games from a different perspective. Uh, and uh, Tim, thanks for continuing to. To combine with me to to provide a forum to to build a community around soccer, even as radio is something that will now be something I look at in the past. Yeah, and it's it's something that I think I I speak for certainly myself, but I think I speak for a big piece of the fan base when I say um, that you you have been the voice of Nashville SC, and and I mean that not just in the you are the guy on the radio, but but your voice is inextricably linked to things like the Rapapa Mensa goal or or whatever it might be from the radio calls and that's something that um, fans are going to miss as much as as much as we love everybody who is who has also been in the in the radio or or commentary space um it's going to be different without you there and um obviously people can still hear you here uh, on the podcast but um you know it's, it's going to be a different space without without uh, west bowling calling it on the radio well thank you and thanks to each of you for joining this week for club and country we'll be back with more preseason coverage as the season approaches can't wait thanks to moon taxi ml rose 440 sports we'll talk to you soon